2: The Pack a Day podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley, and I am joined. Guess who's back? Back again, Ross Uglum, back from his PGA uh, golf tour uh, premiere. Just kidding, but Ross, how the heck are you, man? I saw that you potentially won a a golfing tournament. Did well on the links recently.
1: <laughs> yeah, some uh, some listeners might remember uh, Ryan Hillsland from the uh, the days of from the benches. He came up and played in our member guest, and uh, it was really fun. Uh, Seventy two teams. It was a handicapped uh, net event, and we won. Um, five matches, five nine hole matches to or not what well, we didn't win them all, but won our flight, got into the uh knockout derby style championship round and we're the last team standing. So it was a ton of fun. Um, plenty of drinks were had. It was uh it was it was fun. I mean it's it's really it's really fun to still compete.
2: Good job, Brooksy. <laughs> um What's uh, actually before we get into football, what's your take on that, Ross? For on, on the, the golf world, on the Brooks Kepka Dechambeau, little rivalry that's going on.
1: I mean, I think it's good for golf. I think, you know, anything that gets you closer to other sports is is generally good to, good for golf. Uh, people think it's soft, people think it's very white, uh, which it is, but um, you know, people think that it's, you know, kind of the the sport of the rich and it, it's it's doesn't have, you know, the wide appeal that the NFL or the 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 NBA does, and um, I don't think it'll ever get there. But it's to have these rivalries and have actually actually guys, you know, talking junk. That's that's getting you closer and closer to, you know, some of the more mainstream sports, and and some of that drama. You know, is 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 what makes these. So attractive, you know, and what what people dig that, man. Like the NBA at this point, I think people are more interested in like player movement and the offseason and who's beefing with who on Twitter uh than just about everything but the actual NBA finals. Um and, and that's just uh you know, something that that the the PJ is lacking because there are no teams, there are no transactions. Um so when when, when two guys legitimately have beef I think it's just tremendously entertaining and, and providing something that golf doesn't normally provide.
2: Yeah. And you just, you basically just touched on exactly what I am as a fan as someone that doesn't watch golf regularly. I love that there is a rivalry between those two guys draws me in. And I also don't really watch NBA basketball until the playoffs. So uh, that's <laughs> so me. boom there you <laughs> go that's, that's me uh, but speaking of watching and all eyes being on something obviously we need to touch on the Aaron Rodgers drama uh, typically if there's no news we don't give you news but uh, there was some news today Ross and today it's Monday evening right now and uh, it seems like a lot of the news comes from the Pat McAfee show and David Bakhtiari was on the show today and we don't need to go down the rabbit hole of the body language police or the semantics police but uh, one thing that I did find really interesting that he said, and he didn't say a lot, but he, he Smart said. Smart guy. And I, yeah, he, well, he is. And I quote, he, he or, I'm not really actually quoting. I'm paraphrasing. He's excited to watch how this all unfolds. And, Ross, my question for you is because I think it's interesting to say – When you're talking about the possibility of not playing with the MVP, with not playing with your alleged best friend, excited to watch it unfold seems like an interesting choice of words, specifically excited. Because anything that involves Aaron Rodgers not being in Green Bay for David Bakhtiari, to me, feels like it's not that exciting. So what was your take on that, just having listened to that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think you're probably right. Um, And it's the same thing I've said all along. People ask me my opinion of what's going to happen and the quarterback comes back, I think. Um, One way or another, he's under contract for three years. They're not prepared to move on from him. And he doesn't have any real ability to move on from them. You know, this isn't the NBA. The player empowerment era isn't you know, I would say it isn't quite here yet. Um, They are certainly more, more powerful than they have been in the past. And I think uh, he's got to be one of the more powerful players probably in, you know, the NFL outside of maybe Mahomes. but he also can't trade himself. Okay. He's not able to do that. Uh, He has to basically, if he doesn't want to play for the Packers, he's got to sit out. And so, The lack of, you know, actual power in the situation or actual control of his own destiny is what makes me think that he's eventually going to have to come back, even if it's for this, uh, you know, one year bridge that people keep talking about as a compromise. I actually don't think that happens. I actually honestly think he ends up, they end up figuring out like an actual deal for for him to be the guy and at some point the you know the the Jordan Love thing just kind of gets written off as a mistake or written off as not even necessarily a mistake but just knowing that okay um this is this is not going to be what we do we thought we had a declining quarterback we don't we still believe in our evaluation of Jordan Love, but this is only a four-year contract with a one-year option. And right now it would appear that we have this opportunity to win with number 12. And, you know, I think he's pissed and, and I will say this too, you know, um, uh whatever. I, I, I think he's done a great job rebuilding the roster. I think they should keep him honestly. But if, you know they need to throw Mark Murphy out of the plane to get this whole thing copacetic. I'll hand him a parachute. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what I mean.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I think I tweeted that the other day where it's like, you know, all all of this. I would I would put myself in the camp of I'm really annoyed with twelve. I I am. And I don't know everything going on in the background. I, I have no idea. But this the optics of it to me aren't good. I'm annoyed with it. I still want him to be the quarterback in Green Bay. Make no mistake about that. I want the, re- I want the reigning MVP to be my quarterback. I still believe in Jordan Love. I, I said I think I may be Jordan Love's biggest fan. I think we saw some of the potential and the upside this last week at minicamp. And lastly, I don't really give a damn about Mark Murphy. You don't. You don't think they can find someone to do Mike, Mark Murphy's job? I
1: will I mean, go do Mark Murphy's job.
2: Right. I, I mean, will go do it. I
1: like. I volunteer as tribute.
2: Yeah, I'll do it for half of what he's making as well. Exactly. Uh, but but you get I mean. Like it's that is a dream job for a lot of really smart businessmen. Um, so. It, it just kind of comes down to that, if that's even the issue. I don't know. I'm with you, though, where it's like, you know what, 12, I think if he wanted out, he would have said he wanted out. He has not said that he wants out. I think ultimately this is a play for him to stay in Green Bay because he doesn't want to leave. He wants that security that he wants to be in Green Bay. And he he also has alluded to you know, the stuff about he doesn't really – he doesn't really jive with the way things go in Green Bay, and that's why going back to David Bakhtiari saying what he said today, it almost makes me wonder: Does David Bakhtiari kind of feel the same way? Do is is this like a is this a feeling amongst the veterans in Green Bay that they don't necessarily love the philosophy that Green Bay has? Because when you say I'm excited to watch this unfold, does that mean he's kind of going to bat for you? that he's kind of going to bat for some of the older guys on the team that maybe don't appreciate, you know, kind of the draft and develop, but the young guys play more type philosophy, which, mind you, hasn't really been the philosophy the last few years, but that's neither here nor there. So I just think that's interesting. Um, and moving on from Aaron Rodgers, and I guess it is important to note that James Jones was just on NFL Network moments ago really downplaying the Mark Murphy complicated fella uh, comments which were wild but uh just basically said don't read too much into it so there you go um james jones probably is one of the few people that is talking to 12 that has actually spoken with him on the issue so when he does when he is saying stuff right now he is someone that i am listening to um but there you go that's our first 10 minutes of our show <laughs> de- dedicated to the the drama that is going on around 12 and i had a thought today ross where it's like and this isn't a this isn't a slight at any Packers podcast out there, but I was just, I was, I was in my car today listening to a few, and I just had the thoughts like, I don't, I don't know what day this is. I don't know what, 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 when, what period of time this podcast was recorded because the news on Aaron Rodgers hasn't really changed since April. We're still sitting here, you know, pouring over the few words that we have gotten. And so it's just really interesting that not not a lot has changed. And I think that bodes well for for both sides, honestly, because I think it probably hasn't changed since before April either. But uh, speaking of the team and what we're going to do today is talk about the rest of the team and not just the quarterback. We will talk about the quarterbacks on this team. And what Pro Football Focus did a few weeks ago that I thought was really interesting is they always do their preseason positional group rankings, and they did their rankings for the Packers, So we will roll through them and just go rank position by position, Ross, and I will tell you where Pro Football Focus has them, and I want you to tell me, is that too high, is that too low, or is that just right, and why? So let's start with the quarterbacks. Uh, For the quarterbacks for the Green Bay Packers, Pro Football Focus has them ranked as a unit third overall in the National Football League. Ross, too high, too low, or just right?
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: I mean, I'd probably say too low if they knew Rogers was in there. I don't, you know, I don't see how was the defending MVP. He's not number one or number two. Um, I think, all conversations have to start with Rodgers and Mahomes at this point. And then you go with who, you know, who has a better number two or like an, a number two that people care about more than Jordan Love, nobody. Right. Um, but I'm not going to quibble with it either. You know, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a huge deal. I would assume Kansas city and somebody else was, was ranked ahead of them. Um, but yeah, I, I the, the, there's ambiguity obviously involved with who the hell is, number 12 going to play for it, you know? I mean, that's, uh, the, but I don't know if that affected the actual rankings that they did or not. I would, I, well, obviously I would assume I, no, no, or they wouldn't, if they thought love was actually going to be the starter, they wouldn't have ranked them three.
2: That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I think they did to an extent, kind of how that little yeah, little little yeah cause I think it was Kansas city and Buffalo that were ahead of them. So obviously they're going heavy on starters, but I think, yeah, if you look at, if you're truly looking at it as a group, what, what team has the reigning MVP and a second-year player that was a first-round draft?
1: First-round pick, position. yeah.
2: Yep. So um, it's – it's uh, I mean, but like you said, third, tough to argue with, but I, I would have them first. And if you're going just off talent alone, who's in that room or who is expected to be in that room, I don't think Green Bay.
1: And I don't think uh, Bankert or Bortles is, like, terrible either.
2: No. No, yeah, they talk about Bortles as well in that room. Like, that's uh, another first-round draft pick, top-five draft pick. So he's not not talented. He's just not very good. (laughs) But uh, moving on to the running backs, and this is actually where I think it starts to get pretty interesting because at the running back position, they have them 10th. So, Ross, 10th for the Green Bay Packers. Running backs too high, too low, or just right?
1: Oh, I think it's probably just right. Um, you know, I, I haven't looked at these ones specifically. Uh, but I think there's reason to be really bullish on the Packers backs. I think, you know, Aaron Jones is certainly a top five, six, seven, eight guy, and then you can have your questions about um Kylan Hill and and AJ Dillon, certainly. Uh if that those happen to be the three guys that get work, um AJ Dillon was a widely mocked pick and Kylan Hill's a seventh round pick. So you know you can get into and and I don't know if you love like the pass catching ability of anybody not named Aaron Jones at least from a proven perspective and that's what they're gonna miss with Jamal Williams Jamal Williams was actually in my opinion an overrated runner um i i I get the put your head in somebody's chest and try to run them over thing, but you know Jamal wasn't six two two forty either um And I just thought it was not a very efficient running style. However, he's great at pass pro. He's great catching the ball. And that's something that like Dylan and Hill or Dexter Williams or whomever or Patrick Taylor are going to have to prove that they can do um, if they're going to use Jones in the slot or if, you know, he's not. Aaron Jones is not somebody who has stayed healthy his entire career. So it'd be interesting. Um, The saving grace in that, of course, is Amari Rogers. You know, you can just kind of fix your way into that if you need to.
2: Yeah. And I thought, I thought you were going to go too high or too low on that one, Gregory, that that's just right. And I think a lot of Packers nation is really excited about the potential and the prospect of A.J. Dillon. But A.J. Dillon's only, you know, I, and I am too. I think A.J. Dillon's going to be a really good number two running back. I think him and Aaron Jones have the potential to be one of the best tandems in the league. But he's only played, you know, we've only seen it one game. So, yeah. Um, when you boil it down, that's that's really what we have to go off of. And I believe in A.J. Dillon, but th- that's kind of just what we're going off of, what they're going off of. So I, it's hard to fault them for putting them there. And honestly, if anything, you might say that's a little high even for, for what they have, as good as Aaron Jones is. Uh, but the receiving core for Green Bay, so they included wide receivers and tight ends. The Aaron Rodgers weaponless Green Bay Packers came in at 14th. Um, for pro football focus, Ross, too high, too low, or just right? It's too low. It's too low.
1: You have the best receiver in the NFL and statistically one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I mean, you actually go in and you you do a deep dive on Robert Tunyon's numbers from last year. And not just because he was the tight end in an Aaron Rodgers offense. He specifically was incredibly good. And I don't think enough people are talking about it. Um, Marquez Valdez, Scantling being a legit deep threat. Look, deep threats, a lot of deep threats have drop issues. You add Amari Rodgers into that mix. You add the continued development of an Alan Lazard or the continuing development of an Equinemius St. Brown. Um, and then, then you add the wild card that is Devin Funches, who has shown nothing if he's not, a functional third or fourth wide receiver. Uh, I just, this is a, this is an above average group because of the two elite players that they have, which is to say nothing of the potential development of a Josiah DeGuara or Jay Sternberger, both guys being top 100 picks. Um, not everybody unanimously, unanimously agreed with them being top 100 picks, but they're top 100 picks nonetheless. And you have, Those two guys and another top 100 pick in Amari Rodgers, again, just teaming up with a legit deep threat, as you saw in the NFC Championship game, as you saw week one against the Vikings last year, as you saw in a number of big spots, basically saving the game against the Colts and then giving it back. But, you know, I, I think fumbles are kind of random. I think they're more random even than drops. Um to me that's above average and 14th is a very average ranking. I'm not saying they're 3rd or 4th or 5th or anything like that. But you have the best wide receiver in football and mathematically or at least by advanced numbers you have an ascending top t- tight end who is 5th and and that was something I saw even like on TDN was doing uh like a uh attorney of all of the divisions and like their all-star teams against each other and they chose Hawkinson over Tunyon and I audibly laughed.
2: Yeah. And I, what I think is interesting too is the, the running backs and the tight ends. I think you could almost flip flop them or or at least give the, I think the receiver, the receiving quarters at least, a ten, I would probably put them at nine or ten. So I think they're a little bit low. I think they're a top ten group because of what you just said. You have Devontae and you have Tunyon who are both you know studs at their respective positions. And what's interesting to me is, you know, obviously you are going to get Kansas City's in the top three. Okay, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. I am taking Devontae Adams. Okay, T- Travis Kelsey, Robert Tunyon. Obviously, I am taking Kelsey, but beside, but beyond that, beyond those top two guys. At, bo- at both of their positions, neither of these teams. If you want to talk about depth, Kansas City's depth is worse than, than Green Bay's. Mikael Hardman, give me give me give me MVS over him every single day of the week and twice on Sundays. Like it's not even close. So it's just the the thought process behind it of saying like, well, Green Bay's got these two really good options at wide receiver and tight end. But beyond that, you know, you have an inconsistent MVS. You have an Alan Lazard who we're not really sure, you know, about uh, Funches, Amari Rogers, all that stuff. That's a lot better than what Kansas City's looking at, who's a top three group. I think they're second in this ranking. So I'm not saying they're as good as Kansas City. Like you said, I'm not saying they need to be above them. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to go with that process and say, well, Kansas City has these two studs, so they're a top three unit. Well, so does Green Bay. So where do you put them? Um, so that's just, it's interesting to me. And I, I know that PFF didn't love Tunyon. He's, I don't think he's a top 10 tight end for them, but frankly, okay. I think they're wrong. You know, so, um, and, and a part of that I think is that he's only done it one year. So we'll see. We'll see after this next year if he can do it again. Um, if he was a flash in the pan type guy, if it was a system type thing, um, we, we will see. So offensive line, 15th, 15th offensive yeah. line. Too high, too low, or just right?
1: Too low. That That's wild to me. I mean, I get it. Like, PFF loves Corey Lindsley. Loves. Called him the best center in football. Graded him the number one center in football, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, are they taking, like, Bach missing a couple games into this or what?
2: Yes. So, they, they – oh, okay. It, it says here that this unit could easily – uh be a top ten unit again in two thousand twenty one. Or maybe oh, that was okay. Zach Zach Cruz wrote that. I'm looking at his article. Uh, but but yeah, so there's I think they're kind of hedging with him recovering from an ACL. But still, man, it's not it's not nineteen seventy two. You right. know, like yeah. Baktiar is going to be back and he's gonna be a top five, top three left tackle in the NFL again. Elton Jenkins is maybe you know in the conversation for best interior offensive lineman. And then you have super solid Billy uh, Billy Turner. And then you have options at right guard. And you have options at center. And the thing about Corey Lindsley and and center play, and maybe PFF doesn't agree with me on this, but I've just always, always thought centers look a lot better when they have a stud playing right next to them. And And I don't think it's any... I don't think it is any coincidence that Corey Lindsley had his career all-pro year the same year that Elton Jenkins really took a step forward, even though I know he wasn't always playing in on the inside. Uh, but,
1: I mean, yeah.
2: they, they, well, they, they, they got guys there.
1: So my thing is you have two super elite players in uh, Jenkins and, and Bakhtiari, and last year showed Turner was at least a league average player. I mean, that's – that's what he was. Which is so, which is really good,
2: you know, like right. offensive line play. So, you know,
1: Lucas Patrick is is fine. Uh, but you assume that you would hope that the Myers kid from Ohio State can be better than Lucas Patrick at center. And then at right tackle you, or right guard, depending on what you do with Billy, you know, you have a bunch of options. You you have the Ole Miss kid that everybody likes so much. Um, you, you have uh, John Runyon Jr., who I like quite a bit. And there are, you know, the the chances that that Jake Hansen works out or Simon Stepaniak works out or, you know, Van Lanen works out or...
2: How about this Ben Braden kid, too? Yeah. I mean, gosh, there's there's depth.
1: Right. So I I just, no matter what, I think in worst case scenario, you're going to end up with two elite players and one league average player. And unless the other two guys that play are terrible, which I don't think they're going to end up being. Then you're not an average ob- then you're not an average offensive line, especially when one of those elite players is at the most important position on the offensive line. You have the best left tackle in football. It's very unlikely to me that they'll be average on the offensive line. Yeah. Especially yeah. also because their coach kicks ass.
2: Right. No, that, that's that's a good point to make is Fenovic gets these guys ready to play and i don't think and he's got so many he's got so many bullets in the chamber at that yeah. right guard position that like hey if you're not cutting it i gotta i put this guy in we'll we'll be fine you know so i'm not worried about the offensive line until it's something to worry about that's actually a group that i think that will be one of the, the most fun positional battles uh, throughout training camp because it's gonna be there's gonna be good players there's going to be good players fighting for starting jobs. There's going to be good players that don't start on this Packers offensive line. There's not a lot of teams in the NFL that have that luxury. So, um, and, and this is what's wild to me, is the defensive line is actually ranked higher than the offensive line in this position or ranking. The defensive line comes in at 13th. Too high, too low, or just right?
1: Oh, kind of too high. Yeah. You know, um, I, I get how they can get there. You know, um, I really, really, really like Kenny Clark. There's some shocking analysis for analysis for you, but okay. um, they better like TJ Slayton, man, because I have had it with Dean Lowry. And uh, besides Kingsley, Kiki, TJ Slayton, and Kenny Clark, it's just guys. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just dudes. It's just whatever. Like, um, you know, maybe there are other defensive lines across the NFL that I'm giving too much credit. And and I just assume everybody has two studs. And, and maybe they don't. They probably don't. Um, but, yeah, I you know, what? like the doomsday scenario for me this year is what if Kenny Clark gets hurt? You know, I, I, I oh, just God. am not in love with the options inside. Um, unless the options inside include Rashawn Gary and Zedaria Smith, and they probably
2: do. Well, before you keep talking, so I made a mistake here. They did include – They've, in, they've included edge rushers in this rankings. Oh, so, so okay. that does that does change a lot? And then they're too low. <laughs> <I'm going completely laughs>
1: the other way. No, I mean you know you 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 hear everything around Rashawn Gary, and uh, if if Zedarius Smith finds anything of himself again, uh, you know I don't love edge for like Spider Garvin. I'm not in love with that idea, but. When you are complaining about Edge Four, you've kind of gone pretty far down the list of of stuff to complain about, and so I you know, I am very excited to see him, Randy Ramsey, kind of battle for that job. Um, Preston Smith in an absolutely beyond-prove it year as Edge Three, but with Gary and Z and Kingsley, Kiki, and 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 Kenny Clark. If we're just talking about a front, that's that's a different that's a different thing.
2: Well, I think that's probably, I think they're probably in the right range then, if you think about it, because if the defensive line by itself is probably, it should be real low and the edge guys should be real high. So something in the middle, I actually think that's probably just right then um, if you're talking about big picture with everybody. Um, So I I agree with that. And I like that we actually kind of unpacked it that way (laughs) because I looked at both sides of it. Um, so the next one, inside linebacker, PFF does not like Green Bay. at last, 30-second, too high, too low, or just right, Russ? Uh, it's probably a little bit too low,
1: but not a lot. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about it to uh, look in, you know, to everybody's because I'm, I'm one of those guys that doesn't think they, van- they matter very much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, come on, Martin has some upside, I think. Um, you know, Barnes has a a little bit of, of juice in the tank, potentially, um, they really like Ty Summers. It, it turns out, I, I don't know, man. Um, Devon J. Campbell is fine, I, I guess. <laughs> I, but yeah, I mean, I can, I can definitely see where you could look at this Packers inside linebacker group and think they have a chance to be the worst in the league. Uh, I just don't think it matters.
2: No. And it's, funny because when joe barry was hired you know some people were like well maybe they'll care more about the inside linebacker position now and i was one of them you know like not hoping they would but just honest to god wondering like will they care more right. about
1: this he can turn cory he can turn Corey littleton into Corey littleton you know what i mean yeah. and then yeah. watch Corey littleton go somewhere else and not play that well like i you, you know some of this stuff is coaching if we talk about how great Stenovich is you know uh Maybe Barry really is that level of a linebackers coach.
2: Maybe we'll see. Maybe Oren Burks will become Corey Lupton. That would be <laughs> that would be. Hey, you want to be a head coach? Show him that. I made Oren yeah. Burks good. Yeah, the man. No, so yeah, I think. Uh, and I think to answer the question of do the Packers care about the inside linebacker position, um, they just signed uh, that. What's the name, DeAndre Campbell? <laughs> they're just going to keep doing that, yeah. you know, every single year, expect them to sign Antonio
1: better, Morrison. Yeah. 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 Whoever a, I get better, it. Yep.
2: Better, Cause they're always out there. If they're cheap, you can, and, and they serve a purpose. They really do. So, uh, and then keep trying to develop young guys, you know, your swings in the mid to late rounds, and maybe you'll get someone on that rookie contract. Uh, what's going to really chap Packers fans asses when they do get a stud, you know, when they eventually do hit, On one of these mid round guys. That's an above average to good player, a a Desmond Bishop type, if you will. And then don't resign him (laughs) because I don't care. Um, But moving on. All right. The secondary. So this is the last one on the rankings here. I think in its second highest. Yeah, second highest um, amongst the group. uh, The entire team, PFF, has them at sixth. Too high, too low, or just right. For the secondary, I, I think
1: that's about right. You know, um, you've got Darnell Savage ascending. I think star Doug Farrar really likes him. thinks he's a top three safety in the league. Adrian Amos consistently a top ten safety in the league. Like never number one or number two, but like consistently a very, very, very good player. Um, you have one of the best corners in all of football, and then you got questions. So if you're gonna Play as base, or play at least not Nicholas base, but as a higher higher percentage of anything else. Then you have three positions that are really good, and then you've got two positions that you just addressed in the top five rounds, including your round one pick. Um, and and so there's plenty of possibilities there. Uh, But there's also plenty of questions like if Eric Stokes isn't ready or Kevin King doesn't take another jump or Josh Jackson never makes it. Or if Chandon Sullivan turns into a pumpkin and Shamar Jean Charles isn't ready. Like you can still have two fifths of that secondary. That's problematic. I think all of, all of those things not working out seems unlikely, but maybe not. It, It could happen. You know, you, you absolutely could see that happening. So um I, I I tend to think that that's about right.
2: I do too, and I think that's one group that I if I would have to say, if there is a group besides the quarterback position that could end the year as a consensus top number one group in the NFL, it's the secondary, just because of what you touched on already. I mean, PFF loves Jair Alexander. They they like Darnold Savage, and they love Adrian Amos. So you are looking at you know two fifths of that spot. Okay, so Kevin King, Kevin King, if he if he just if he levels out and can just be an average corner, which I think for the most part is what he is, and if you look around the league, there are a lot of Kevin Kings out there. He is a very league-average cornerback who played poorly in big moments last year. But if he can just be league-average and be consistent, just be someone that doesn't get picked on consistently, you know that that's helpful. That's super helpful. Or if Eric Stokes can take that job from him. That's even better because that means that Eric Stokes is playing better than a league average corner. And then you have options at the slot position in Shannon Sullivan. Hopefully, you know, the, the inverse of him being bad is him taking a step forward. The the inverse of Jean Charles not being ready is him being ready and being good. So I think, you know, you can look at this position and I think it's kind of a big pendulum swing where, yes, you have you have really, really good talent. Sprinkle man with some average veterans sprinkle in with some young players who are ready to hopefully, you know, ready to take a step forward and help this team out in year one. So that positional group to me is what I think is the most exciting to watch this year, just because they have talent all over the place. Um, Ross. So last thing before I let you go, give me your positional group that you're most excited to watch. um, Or as David Bakhtiari said, you're most excited to watch unfold this year.
1: Uh, The receivers. I mean, it definitely is different if Love is the quarterback and not Rodgers, but getting everybody back and kind of being in a make-it-or-break-it situation for a lot of these guys, I think it's going to be fascinating. I think watching MVS in a contract year has a chance to be really, really interesting. Watching the Devin Funchess comeback tour has a chance to be really interesting. Watching Lazard kind of continue to uh impress and and obviously Devonte in a contract here and then adding finally a true slot weapon in Amari Rodgers I just think that the group as a whole has constantly been slept on because everybody likes to make apologies for Aaron Rodgers and likes to complain about the way that the team has been stocked for Aaron Rodgers um that the the receiving group kind of gets shit on for no reason, I mean, you know. I mean, yeah, there there could have been more investments here or there or whatever, but um, they catch a lot of stray bullets <laughs> for for really not not a ton of stuff that they did wrong.
2: Yep. All right, there you have it, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. If you have time, uh, make sure you're going over to iTunes, giving us a five star review. That's super helpful to the Packet Day podcast as a whole. Um, but guys, as always, thank you for listening, and until next time. Go pack it.